RNMD is a show about hospital relationships from the perspective of doctors and nurses. You're very smart, and we know that you would never come to a podcast for medical advice. So obviously, call your non-podcasting doctor and nurse team if you need any medical care. Oh, and we should also mention that we don't represent any hospital at all. Ever. Okay, start the thing. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of RNMD, a show about doctors and nurses working together in this mad world of medicine. Okay, part three, part three, healthcare through the lens of socialism, communism, and capitalism with my guest from the Eminem podcast, Maswell's M. He is here finishing up our conversation. Um, this one's a short one. It's only about 30 minutes. The reason why I wanted to include it is because you guys have been listening to the other two um, and the, you know, I can see through the analytics that you guys are watching or listening to the entire episode of the last two episodes that we had. Sometimes, um, you know, during ads or through Q&As, we lose some listeners. The last two, we did not have that at all. So I wanted to include this. It's got some just more fun, interesting, uh, personal information in it. Without further ado, here we go. We don't have a really good example of this working. So I guess what I would say is, would you agree, which is maybe more my personal view, that there is another way and we just don't have it yet. We haven't found it yet. Um, I mean, would you agree with that? Because I actually anticipated you coming on here more and like being like, this system works, this is the way, you know, et cetera. But what it sounds like to me you're saying is like, it's a little more flexible than that. Like we're not exactly sure because our country is different, right? We can't do exactly the same thing as like NHS, for example, right? Um, Maybe there's something we need to create, like a new thing. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I think we get bogged down in, well, Canada's system has these problems and the UK has these problems. Like, well, nobody's saying we have to have that exact system, you know? I mean, right. you can look at the right. bones that they use and say, well, that's something that works. Like the monopsony that we were talking about before. Like, that's that's something that works. Like, in a, like when you structure it that way, a single payer is able to negotiate prices better. That just makes sense. It doesn't mean mm -hmm. we have to like Canada's healthcare system, the way that like their payer is actually 13 separate payers for the 13 separate provinces and territories. They all have their own individual health insurance plans that just cover everybody that mm -hmm. lives there. I mean, that's that's actually how it works. Mm -hmm. Fun uh, functionally, it fu it's a single payer. Um, mm -hmm. Nobody's saying that we the United States, we have to have 50 different health insurance policies for each individual. So, like, no, we don't have to do that. You could just have one federal payer. You could do it that way. You could do it some other way if you want to. Um, it is pretty flexible as long as in the end you are meeting these uh, goals that are or you're meeting these requirements that are going to get you to where you want to be, which are the things like the monopsony, the, the single payer um, that allow you to actually have the power to make the changes that you want. Because what a lot of Democrats do, uh, unfortunately, and I, I shit on liberals a lot on the podcast, but unfortunately, what a lot of Democrats do is they do things like 
form committees, um, give empty platitudes. They talk a lot. I'm talking about corporate Democrats here uh, more so. Um, but they don't do anything, right? They 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 give you mm-hmm. what you want to hear. They don't actually do anything, right? Mm-hmm. So they don't change the structure mm-hmm. of the issue. They just change how it looks, mm-hmm. right? Um, mm-hmm. This is what this is my problem with social democrats, right? They try to take capitalism and make it look better or make it a little bit nicer. So progressive mm-hmm. taxation important. We have to do that, right? Um, we have mm-hmm. to take money back from the billionaire class in order to pay for the things that we want. But the question I ask is, why do the billionaires exist in the first place? Why are they able to amass this amount of wealth? Something must be wrong. Like, if you're telling me that the CEO at your hospital works three or 400 times harder than you do, I don't believe you because they don't. Mm-hmm. They, you mm-hmm. probably work 300 to 400 times harder than they do. And you're getting paid whatever you're getting mm-hmm. paid. Um, so these are the bigger questions we have to ask. It's not just taxation. Yeah, we got to do that. But we have to ask, well, why do we even have to tax in the first place? Well, because there's inequality. Well, why is there inequality? Because there's the system that creates it. And that is what we have to target. That's why I'm so specific. Mm-hmm. And you said earlier, um, I, I admire how open you are that you're just out there, Marxists, communists. Yeah, we, we kind of laughed about it when we started the podcast. Like, yeah, like, why not? Like, nobody, nobody else is really doing it. And we don't want to mm-hmm. lie, I guess. So fuck it. Um, if we're honest about what we want and we just label it for what it is, if people see the value in it, they're not going to care what it's called. And that's okay. That's what we want. Aren't you scared? I mean, you work in the same system that I work in, and you could face retaliation for putting these kind of views out there. Are are you afraid? Yeah, of course. I mean, my my residency is not unionized. Um, If you even start talking union where I work, people will hear and you don't want that. Um. Of course I'm scared. I mean, I, that's the reason I use the name Fidel Cash, though, on the podcast. I don't use my real name. Like, I don't say where right. I'm from, where I work. Um, I'm going to be a fellow in a couple of weeks, and I'll probably be less worried at that point. But, I mean, I'm not trying to be fired from residency for some shit I say on, you know, Twitter or Instagram or a podcast. Like, that's not worth it, which maybe makes me mm-hmm. a revisionist. but you know what, um, the, again, the system creates incentives for you to do things you don't want to do sometimes. I would like to use my real name. I'd love mm-hmm. to be much more vocal. I'd love to talk to my mm-hmm. co-residents a lot more about this stuff and be able to talk to my department about this kind of, maybe not in these overt terms, but more so. Um, but I can't because it, mm-hmm. the environment there is incredibly anti-union and incredibly anti-labor just in general. Um, but it's what I believe in. So it's the risk I take. I mean, that it is what it is. That's really all it comes down to. What would happen? Like, tell me the steps. If you, let's say you go to a uh, fellowship and you say, or let's keep it in residency, actually. Let's say the beginning of this year, you went to some of your co-residents and you just said, what if we do a union? Who would get notified to shut it down would it be the attendings would it be the hospital itself would it be all of them uh i've tried that uh, many times to 
talk to my co-residents and be like, let's start a union. Like we need this because nobody's going to take care of us, but us, like we need to do not even the department, mm -hmm. like they care a little bit, but only to the extent that they can keep themselves alive too. So we, we mm -hmm. have to do this, but people, like you said, people are scared. That's it. Who would hear about it? Um, mm -hmm. Probably there are, you know, little birds, little, little spiders that are running around and talking in people in the department's ear. And I, I know that for a fact, but again, it's the risk you take. Um, when you bring these things up, I'm sure you know that um, as a person in a union, um, when you're trying to start one, there's always going to be kind of that little secrecy, at least in the initial stages, um, when you're trying to build support and you're not sure if you have it at first and you have a hostile employer, like all of those things apply. And that's exactly what's happening to me in our residency. There seems to be quite a bit of support, but there's also people who, like, well, what do we need a union for? Um, well, I don't know. Maybe there's people in our residency class who don't get any childcare benefits and they're really suffering. Like, don't you care about them? Like, mm -hmm. eh, our residency is mm -hmm. pretty good. We don't get overworked that hard. It's like, again, this individualist thinking where people only care about themselves, not a great way to grow camaraderie in residency class or society, if you want to go that mm -hmm. far. But um, yes, I'm nervous, but I care about it enough to take the risk. Um, and mm -hmm. there has been we got backlash for an organizing effort we did last year during COVID. Um, pretty, a lot of rumors floating around, nothing concrete, but uh, even up to the point that apparently our C the CEO of our hospital was talking about firing the entire anesthesia residency. Um, didn't happen, wow. obviously, but uh, wow. you know, it's it's probably a scare tactic. But uh, I guess it worked because uh, we all right. were just kind of like, well, fuck. Um, let's put that union on hold for now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and as somebody who we have a union, right? And it's actually a, a good one. It's a strong one. There is there is only so much the union can do in certain situations, right? COVID is a great example. This was an emergency. I mean, our city was under complete lockdown. We were the epicenter of a global pandemic for a while. In that situation, it's just, you got to deal with what you're given and you know, what are you really going to do in that moment? And everyone's so exhausted anyways, yeah. <laughs> you know, I think, um, I just want to say real quick too the, the union is a step toward, um, what we actually need, which is again, the, the ownership of those means of production of the ownership of the hospitals, ownership of all of the things that go into creating, producing healthcare as we know it. The union maintains the social relations, right? The owner, worker, employer, employee kind of social relation, right? The, the union actually reproduces that, which is not really what I want, um, but it's something working toward building power among labor, among workers that is worth that um, perpetuation, right, of the social relation. Mm -hmm. um, but I just want to say, mm -hmm. make it clear that the union is not the end point to me. The union is the stepping stone to the true goal, which is for the healthcare workers to own the healthcare means of production, because that's the only way that healthcare workers will actually be able to make the decisions that we and patients need for uh, a healthcare system that actually makes sense uh, and meets the needs of society. 
I mean, I completely agree. Uh, that's why sometimes I think I can actually come across as anti-union, um, especially when we have these discussions of people who don't have a union, because to them, the union is like the epitome. That's what they need. That's their end right. goal. Right. And and I'm quick to always say I have a union and I like my union, but it, it, it does not solve all of your problems. And, and to me, it is not a solution. I mean, really organizing and um again now you ha you do have somebody you're adding people again to the problem who don't work in healthcare <laughs> you're adding more people who wear business suits and work in a big building in midtown manhattan to this problem and again it's like okay it, they represent us and that's great but it's not the same so it, it is difficult when I have nurses come to me and say, you know, well, the union, it, incent it incentivizes, you know, lazy nurses, so you can't fire them. And, and, the, and you know what, maybe, maybe that's true. Maybe, you know, have I seen that in, in, oh my God, how long have I been a nurse now? 13, 14 years. Ha have I seen that? I mean, maybe once, you know, I mean, what, what kind of problem are we talking about? But to me, there's actually there's bigger issues with with having the union because it again it it you have someone representing you you don't own that power. Right, it's the the power among the workers is what you really want. You don't. It I think of it very similar to representative democracy. Right, I mean we we say that we live in a democracy in this country. We talk a lot on the podcast about how we probably actually don't. We have political democracy, which means we can go vote every four years, which might mean something. Um, but when we're talking about workplace democracy, um, there's like, like almost zero percent of that. Right. Again, mm -hmm. we don't really get to make a lot of decisions in our day to day. Um, so mm -hmm. work workplace democracy, um, democratizing the workplace more generally is a goal of socialism. Um, when, when we're talking about um I was actually hoping you would speak on it more because you were saying earlier. Yeah, like there there are some unions that are are bad and like they leave mm -hmm. a bad taste in people's yes. mouth from the way that they handle business as in a lot of cases, unions being junior partners of capital, basically, right? They make these backroom dealings. Right. They don't actually care about the rank and file. Um, so mm -hmm. again, like there are issues with unions. That doesn't mean we are, again, you're right. It doesn't mean we're anti-union, um, but it just means mm -hmm. that unions can be a useful strategy to achieving a broader goal, which is mm -hmm. more, uh, pervasive workplace democracy where um, just like in politics, you don't have some person representing you who lives in Washington, D.C. or the Capitol building who actually probably doesn't care about you that much, right? Um, very similar in some of these types of unions where somebody is supposedly representing you at work. Are they, though? Uh, hard to say sometimes. Um, and I have all the yeah. love and respect for the unions who do actually care about the rank and file but because it is an institution under capitalism, we do have to critique it and find its flaws. And what you're describing is a major flaw and why it's not the end goal. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I I crowdsource information, uh, nurses all over, I mean, all over the place, but mainly the United States and Canada. And I mean, I hear the same complaints. The union is weak. The union doesn't represent us. Our union organizer has... Uh, seven hospitals that they represent RNs from every department. I, I can't get a hold of this person. I never even met them. Um, you know, what do they do for us? I mean, COVID, for example, 
every union representative was not nowhere to be found because they were at home, just like the hospital CEOs. So it can leave a very bad impression to people who are already on the fence or anti-union to begin right. with. And again, if you're th- if you're thinking about a different kind of world, it's it's one that it actually probably doesn't, ha- or if it does have unions, it's symbolic, right? A symbolic union, not an actual mm-hmm. like organizational one. But if you're th- again, if you're thinking about another world, it's not going to be this world where there's a battle between capital and labor, right? This battle between the upper level executives and administrators and workers. It's the social relation is going to be workers who also own the enterprise at the same time, right? Worker owners. You see this, uh, it exists. I mean, it's called a cooperative model of ownership, right? Like we, we see it um, in co-ops. I, I think of it as extending the idea of the co-op to almost every sector of society um, with a political party in place uh, guiding a transition to a socialist economy, right? That, that's how I would envision, for people who would ask me, well, how do you envision an actual transition? That's how I would see it is not the government just mm-hmm. nationalizing every single thing. And, you know, you have this huge bureaucracy of uh, government administrators who are handling everything like you saw in the later years of the Soviet Union, which, again, is another discussion that I'm not trying to get into right now. Um, but mm-hmm. a system of decentralized cooperatives, decentralized communes, decentralized ways of organizing production that does allow people in their localities to have some power, and it's not administered by a central bureaucracy. That's not what communism is. Communism and socialism doesn't just mean more government. Um, it means more people power. That's that's what I would say. And does it get perverted throughout history? Does it get tainted throughout history? Sure it does. We have to understand why it does. And we can't say that the Soviet Union was corrupted by communism. I think the Soviet Union, in my my understanding of history, was the so the actions of the Soviet Union was a response to Western imperialism. It was a response to the United States's effort to put down every single effort to achieve self determination and and um, liberation in these countries. I mean, the, the list is endless the number of countries that the United States has prevented from self-determining. If you want to talk in Latin America, you talk about Salvador Allende in Chile, you talk about Honduras, Guatemala, you want to talk about in South Asia, you talk about the genocide in Indonesia, you talk about the Vietnam War, Cambodia, Laos. Um, there, And then in, in terms of the Soviet Union, you have these proxy wars. This is a topic I could go on for forever. It's so vast, but the idea that I want to get in people's heads is the Americans and Western Europe have this the stated goal of maintaining liberal democracy, market economy, a globalized market economy, and financialization through capitalism. Um, and when you have a country who's trying to do something completely different from that, there's going to be a lot of pressure on them to make decisions. And I don't think that people should interpret the Soviet Union as, or or merely through the lens of, say, Joseph Stalin, okay? Again, another conversation, but there's a lot more to the Soviet Union than just one person, okay? Which is another feature of the individualist way of thinking, the great person of history. That's not the way I think about history as Vladimir Lenin and Joseph Stalin and Mao. I, I don't think about history in these terms, this like 
people worship. I don't do that. Karl Marx isn't a prophet to me. You know, Marxism isn't a religion. It's not a dogma. Mm -hmm. It's uh, a way of interpreting the world. That that's that's what I would say about it. So, um, thinking about the Soviet Union, you have to look at it through the lens of what all these other countries, especially the ones who were antagonistic to it, were doing at the same time. And what led to the downfall of the Soviet Union was the privatization of their economy. Um, and eventually in the in 91 with uh, Boris Yeltsin, they did, the Soviet Union did fall eventually. Um, it, it's a massive topic with a lot of propaganda and I don't pretend to know all of it either. Um, but I, I just think that, I, I think that we need to take the good from these countries that really did try to change the way of life, the way of governance, the way of being for the people there. Take the good ideas from that, take the good from it, and leave the bad. You'd do that for anything else, wouldn't you? That's what people do for capitalism. The apologists for capitalism do the same exact thing. But we know all of the death mm -hmm. and destruction that this mode of production has caused, too. We don't talk about that as much. We don't talk about the fact that um, why, is, why are there homeless people in the richest country in the history of the world? Why are one in six children mm -hmm. food insecure in the richest country in the history of the world? Why are 10 million Americans, more than 10 million now, un still uninsured in the richest country in the history of the world? Why are people suffering to the extent that they are if this is truly a free country and a democracy for all? These are the questions we can't just take for granted now. We do have to, to stand up and say, maybe all the things I learned when I was a kid in school, maybe all that shit's wrong. Um, and that's not to demand all of you to become communists right now, but it's to say, maybe we should think about a different way of life and maybe we should reconsider the things that we were taught uh, as kids or as adults. And maybe put everything on the table, to, you know, except like fascism and Nazism, of course. But maybe we should try to think about putting everything on on the table here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think the the wave is it is going that way, right? I see a lot of talk about. Uh, there's a lot of anti-capitalists now, loud ones. Uh, I mean, it's almost like a trend now. I mean, it's, you know, it's all everybody talks about. It was, it was capitalism is, mm -hmm. you know, everyone's favorite quote. Um, so I, I wonder if it will turn with our generation. I wonder if the next generation after will take that on, you know? I think that capitalists in power are very good at reincorporating revolutionary rhetoric into their system think of the like che guevara t-shirt like che guevara being like one of the most important communist revolutionaries in history and now he's like a very popular t-shirt that uh, teenagers and children wear i guess think about pride mm -hmm. this is a great example pride month how corporations who do not give a fuck about the lgbtq community one percent um yeah. reincorporate mm -hmm. the revolutionary potential uh, and imagery of the LGBTQ community. There's rainbows everywhere and, you know, all of the, the nice mm -hmm. phrases and, and whatnot. But do these people give a fuck about the LGBTQ community? No, they don't. Um, in mm -hmm. their policies, in their hiring practices. Um, so it's, it's a kind of a similar thing there. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, you could say the same thing with uh, Black Lives Matter, for mm-hmm. example. I mean, now, you know, you see, uh, uh, you watch TV or whatever, and you see now uh, people of color being almost pushed out. And it's almost, it almost seems disrespectful in a way because it's almost like a show or to put on display like look see we're inclusive right but you don't actually give a shit about people of color i don't see i don't see you promoting uh anybody but you know i'm sorry but white men a lot of times and and it's like so what is this for like is it i i struggle with it because we are we demand that right we as a society said this is what we value now. And you as a corporation have to swing towards us because you want to get our money, right? We're saying we support LGBTQ, right? So you put a rainbow up. Ultimately, who does that benefit? Is it? Yeah. So I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if, is there an amount that it does help, even that they don't give a shit? Is there an amount that it does help by having that up there? Or is it just purely visual, you know? I think visibility for the community is good um, in terms mm-hmm. of, I mean, think about uh, think about our progressive king, Barack Obama, right? He was uh, against gay mm-hmm. marriage when he was running for president in 2008. Uh, this was like mm-hmm. still in it. Like, is this even an issue you even hear talked about anymore? Gay marriage? No, it's like... Once we got it, it's like, that's yeah, it. boom. It, like what? Fine. That was, that was like 20, what yeah. was it? 14, I believe. Um, when that was, uh, kind of settled finally during the Obama administration, I want to say it was 14. Now we don't even talk about it. So the mere, the mere fact it, that yeah. the, um, it's become so normalized be- because of, uh, we can't forget the Stonewall riots, militant action, uh, and people mm-hmm. who are demanding that their voices be heard after years of violence and being shuttered away, basically, um, being mm-hmm. being uh, portrayed as kind of like uh, sex pests uh, because of their sexual orientation, the AIDS crisis, which caused a lot of um, ways of thinking about that community um, uh, for all bad, basically. Um, mm-hmm. years of this culminating in finally this visibility that's positive, right? Um, and what happens? Uh, good things for the community eventually because of that agitation and organizing, but also the reincorporation again of that kind of revolutionary uh, activism into how do we make a profit off of this? And uh, it's mm-hmm. it's a dialectic, you know, it's a little bit of both. And that's okay. Um, but ultimately it's, um, it's see-through to me, like seeing these companies mm-hmm. flying pride flags and talking about inclusivity and shit, like give me a fucking break. You know, it's, it's, it's a way for mm-hmm. you to boost profits during the month of June for people who unfortunately buy the propaganda of it. Oh my God. I don't know how we're going to fix any of this. I think we're. <laughs> yeah, it's been uh, quite a bit. I mean, I'm, I'm chill. Like I said, I got nothing going on today. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, when you guys record, what do you do? Do you, you do like multiple episodes at once or do you reschedule? Um, we end up recording usually for like an hour and 40 minutes to two hours. So when that happens, I'll release mm-hmm. a part. I'll, basically find a place in the middle to cut it in half, uh, release it as mm-hmm. a part one and then 
release the part, the other half, edit it, release part two, usually like a week later, a week or two later, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more than I ever thought. I mean, I, I was, I didn't, I didn't start this thinking like, oh, we're going to get like big or whatever. It's just like for people to, I don't know, commiserate, laugh with us and learn. Like we just do topics on stuff, just try to teach people the history of stuff mostly. Um, and like I said, we're doing mm-hmm. the medical industrial complex series. Um, but that's, it's more than I ever thought, like I said. So, um, I'm just happy if anybody listens really. <laughs> what about you? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, it's, it's been a whole thing. I mean, this is something you have to do weekly or, yeah. you know, whatever, whatever you want to do, but, um, you have to keep doing it and it takes the topics I want to approach. They take a lot of research yes. sometimes, like, it, for example, the the topic that I'm going to do uh, next after this, uh, well, I have like two actually that are like a, really heavy, um, but it's like basically like the hospital CEOs and the structure of that and like the, you know, the admin side and we go into the history. Yeah, the history. I, I've got the whole I have like 20. I'm not even kidding. 20 page outline that I made. Um the first podcast I did before Eminem was, uh, it was called Reunion, which was my name before. Um, it's a lot of work. It's a lot. You have DOs who are, you know, raise, raising eyebrows at you maybe. Well, God damn it. So <laughs> this was how little I knew about this shit when I started yeah. it. I didn't even know there was a difference. Like I couldn't have mm. cared less. I was just like, oh, MD, doctor. Yeah. Right. And then actually the, the third guy I asked to come on and be the third, he, he was a DO and he was like, so what are we going to do about the name? And I was like, we're going to leave it. I don't know. MD, I don't know you yeah. <laughs> yeah. It just goes together. I don't know what yeah. to tell you. Oh, I mean, it's, yeah. I, I, if, that's a pretty stupid thing to get upset about. I hope they didn't actually get that mad about it. Not really, but I, I get it too that like, I don't, I don't judge anybody. I don't think any kind of way about it. So like for me, I'm just like, yeah, who cares? But like, I understand that like, if you're a DO, you might face people who do think of you differently, you know? So it's a a source of insecurity for sure. And for a good reason, because a lot of MDs make them feel insecure. Again, it's one of these infighting things that um, are are really artificially constructed and don't make a lot of sense if you think about it, because we do the same work pretty much. The osteopaths aren't actually doing the manipulation shit outside of the clinic and a lot of them never do it. So we, we really have almost the same training. And to me, it's this, this, again, this like propaganda that gets perpetuated because it benefits somebody. Usually it's hospital admin because they don't Mm -hmm. want physicians getting along. They don't, yeah, they don't want nurses and doctors getting along. That's, that's bad. Again, that's like when I'm slipping back into my episode voice, I guess. But it's like, yeah, like when when, <laughs> when workers organize, like, yeah, that that's the scariest shit that could possibly happen. It's the only thing that can stop them. Right, right, right. So, I mean, it is hard for me to think that there is not, I mean, I don't want to sound like a conspiracy theorist, but it is hard for me to imagine that there are not meetings about this stuff. I mean, why don't we have... uh meals together why why is your room so far from my room why don't we chart next to each other why aren't you on my floor you know why are you upstairs like it i'm not saying it's all intentional but i don't think that there 
they're intentionally trying to unite us. They're not, they're definitely, I mean, you guys rotate so often. Sometimes I don't even know who's the doctor. I don't know where the person is. It's like a ghost, you know? Um, and so I, I wonder sometimes if they, if they sit down and think about it, like it is in our best interest to keep them apart. It's really wild. But anyway, this was great. Thank you so much for all of your information and your insight. I, I really had a great time talking yeah, to you. Yeah, me too. It was great. I would love to come back anytime. Thanks for having me. Yay. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Okay. All right. Talk soon. Okay. Okay. okay bye. bye.